want you this morning to go with me again to a story that happened thousands of years ago that runs so parallel with the story of today. We've been talking a lot. I don't know. I don't normally do this. Most of you know me. I don't ever really preach out of the same text a whole lot, but I've been talking a lot about this man called Elijah, this prophet of God. So turn with me to 1 Kings 18, 21. If I were to title this message, I want to title it Followers of Christ. Followers of Christ. In 1821, the Bible said, that's a good year, by the way. I'm pretty sure something good happened there. In 1 Kings 18, 21, and Elijah came to all the people. He came to saint and sinner, to Christian and non-Christian, to believer and non-believer, and yes, to even the make-believer, to the rich, to the poor, come on now, to the tall and the short, To the skinny and not so skinny. See, my mom raised a gentleman. (laughs) To male and fat. He came to everybody. He did not discard any. I remember one time we were having a youth revival at the former church where my wife and myself were associate pastors and we were the youth leaders as well. Kind of like uh, Pastor Nate there in Gadsden, the worship leader, the youth leader, the associate pastor. I mean, you name it. He wore every hat. And, and we were going to have this big youth event. And so I'm just, I feel this conviction of God, just get in the phone book and invite every church. And I'm not saying, don't don't get aggravated. My wife is sweet, y'all know her. But I started calling out all the, and we got to a a couple, and she's like, are you sure you want to invite them? And it wasn't like you were trying to not invite, but you just kind of knew they they may not enjoy the atmosphere that we were going to present that night. But Elijah said he came to all the people. He called nobody. And watch this. And he said, how long will you falter? The King James Version says, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, if the capital L, capital O, capital R. Is that that how your Bible's reading this morning? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Pastor Nate, they were speechless. They were probably looking at one another, trying to figure out who's got the answer. But no one spoke a word. How is it? I wrote this. How is it that we often find ourselves empty of words to some of life's most important questions? I would almost think this is probably the greatest question that has been asked of this Israelite generation. If the Lord be God, let's serve him. But if Baal, let's serve him. But no one answered a word. This scenario, this record uh, was no doubt not any different than the place and time that we're in. 
It's a very common situation that we find ourselves. Elijah, much like the believers of today. Come on, listen to me real closely. Elijah, much like the believers of today, was tired of everyone claiming to be a Christian, but acting much like the world that they were living in. I don't know about you, but Elijah kind of got a little sick to his stomach. Kind of like Revelation said, I would that you would either be hot or cold, but because you were lukewarm, I would vomit you. I would spew you out. Something about the, the error that Elijah was living in had caused a sickening, and he's kind of like the old saying, he's fed up to here with it. He's like, either God is God or he's not. And he's like, let's have a showdown. Now, you got to understand that this passage of Scripture is recorded right before the great showdown between Elijah, the prophet of God, the prophet of the Lord, of Jehovah, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Now, this word falter, or in the King James, halt, comes from a Hebrew word called pasok. And you got you got almost like you're clearing your throat at the end of it when you say this. You got you got to get that Hebrew terminology. And it's a primitive root that means to hop or to hop over an issue. In other words, I don't want to deal with it. That is figuratively to skip over or spare by implication to hesitate also literally to limp to dance have you ever heard the the terminology they just danced all around the issue they skirted around the situation it means to halt to become lame paralyzing topic i don't know how to respond to this i thought i was serving god and now Elijah is showing them that there's only one true living God. How many knows the Bible said in Deuteronomy 6, it's called the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's the great Shema. It means to pass over in certain games when you get stumped. If you've watched many games, they get stumped and they'll just say, pass. Here Israel is literally wanting to get a pass card because they don't know the answer. They've not been truly served. They've not been worshiping with a pure heart. And they're saying, we want to pass on this. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how to answer you. So listen again to the words that cause them to become so speechless. If the Lord is God, follow him. I mean, if he's God, follow him. You see, in life, we follow a lot of things. We have an entire adolescent game called Follow the leader. We follow blueprints for building houses or structures. We follow maps and road signs to help get us to our destinated point. 
We also follow things like current trends. Some of them great, some of them not so great. I, I saw Josiah. I swore in the late 70s. I was born in 1972. And about the late 70s, early 80s, they come out with these things called corduroy pants. And when you walk down the hallway, everybody, and, and I'm going to be honest, we were poor. Y'all know that. I was dirt poor. So I didn't have the classy, the upbeat, the stylish corduroys. I had those old-fashioned stiff corduroys, and I swore I wouldn't. And I look over, and I see John, and I'm like, you've got corduroy pants on. I remember in the mid-80s uh, when Michael Jackson got so famous, and, and, and the parachute pants come out. Now, man, I mean, that was a great trend. I, I don't care what you say. That was, But see, I was so poor that I couldn't afford the parachutes when they were in style. I got the parachute pants when they got out of style. See, we follow trends. We follow people. We follow Instagram. We follow people on Facebook. But if the Lord be God follow him. So let's ask ourselves this. Who are you following? What are you following? If the Lord be God, follow him. So now that we're taking a detour from memory lane, how many of you would agree with me that a map is only as good as the information on it? There's two other things that we often use when we're trying to find direction. Uh, many of us don't use this now, but if you're in the woods like I am and uh, you hunt, and of course I don't go deep in the woods now. I found a honey spot in a field and I don't even have to just walk but a few feet. But used to, I would have to carry a compass in the woods to help me navigate in and out to make sure, because you get off in places you've not been before, you go over a hill, down a hill, you hear a creek over here, next time the creek's over there, before you, know, you don't know how to get out, so you use a compass. But now we're blessed with what they call the GPS navigational system. Amen. Can somebody say amen to technology? But when it comes to directions, how many would agree with me that they are only as good as the person giving them? I, I could probably be asked right now which way is north, and they would be so many hands pointing different ways. And if I were to follow any one of you, most likely I would be going south, east, or west. If I picked the right person or I knew myself, I might be going north. But directions also are only as good as the person giving them. So when I ask for directions, I want to know if you've been there. Do you live here? I stop at, you know, I'm not an alpha male. I don't believe you're not lost until you run out of gas. I can't afford the gas to be playing around. So I pull over at the nearest gas station, and I try to find someone that has lived in the area for a while. I'm not asking some other tourist like me, come on now, when I'm in Oklahoma City or, or in Arizona or wherever it may be that I've never been. I want to find a native to the area. Somebody that knows the rabbit trail. Somebody that's been there and has been back. I don't want someone guessing around. Listen to what Jesus' words in John 14, 1 through 6. 
Let not your heart be troubled. I don't know if you're like me, and, and I may be being a little too transparent this morning. But if I'm lost by myself, I'm a nervous puppy. I, I'm just being real with you. I can be lost with a two-year-old in the vehicle and keep it better together than just being lost alone. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. Now remember, he's going, he's traveling, he's got some directions going. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am... Remember, if, if God is, if the Lord be God, follow, that where I am, there you may be also. Listen, watch this now. He's been there. He's came here. He's went back. And he's coming again. I kind of think he knows the way to heaven. No, you got to get this. Let me read to you what I wrote last night under the Spirit of God. He was in heaven for all of eternity. He left heaven and came to earth to spend 33 and a half years. His last three and a half years, he spent dedicated to teaching and preaching things concerning the kingdom of God, honey. He was murdered, buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. After 40 more days here on this earth in a resurrected body, he ascended back into heaven heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of the father doing what I'm asking every one of you to do make an intercession for the saints and when the time has fully come that the father has sent Jesus the one and only Christ the Messiah will for the last time leave heaven and come to this earth and escort every believer and show every follower the way to heaven listen to me if anybody knows the way to heaven it's jesus I'm not going to ask Muhammad. He's not been to heaven. He's not been where I want to go. He's not a resident of the place. I want to talk to somebody that's been there and done it a time or two. Hello, somebody. If God be God, then follow him. He knows the way. He knows the way. Watch this. Picking back up in verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, let me just, I'm going to jump ahead, but the Bible says we have an unction. See, that's why you need to be spirit-filled. We have an unction from the Holy One that we might know all. That's why Jesus said the way you know. But Thomas said to him, now remember this is before the outpouring. Lord, we do not know where you are going. Aren't you glad Thomas wasn't speechless like they were in Elijah's day? And how can we know the way? 
Jesus is like, man, I'm glad you asked the question. See, when you don't know the answer, just ask another question. Pastor Greg says this often, you acquire more of what you inquire of. Jesus said to him, I am the way. Come on, somebody. I am the way. Pastor DJ read about the truth. Pastor Matt sung. Listen to me, what I just read to you, that was the gospel message in less than a minute. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to be a preacher. All you got to know is the truth, and the truth of God will set you free. And if it'll set you free, it'll set others free. That's why I love the Word. The Word of God changed my life. It set me free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except by following my direction. If you want to know how to get to the Father, all you have to do is follow Jesus. Jesus is saying here, I'm not only the right way among many ways, but I am the only way. He is saying, I'm the compass, I'm the map, and I am the destination. He said, I am the door to heaven. If any man tries to come up any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. He's the way. See, it's one thing to get lost going to Florida or maybe to the Smoky Mountains, following somebody that's unsure of the way. But you don't want to get lost trying to make it to an eternity in heaven. Listen to me. You can't afford to follow the wrong person, the wrong idea, or the wrong opinion. When it comes to making heaven and eternity, you must follow Jesus. If the Lord be God, follow him. Jesus says in Luke 6, 46... But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In other words, why are you asking me for directions for your life, for eternity, and you don't follow them? You see, he made this statement during the great sermon on the mount. This is Luke. Chapter 6, you'll also find it in Matthew's gospel, starting about chapter 5 and going on. It's the great sermon on the mount where he preached things like the Beatitudes. He preached about loving and doing good and lending to those that can't lend back and even praying for your enemies. See, this is some of the directions. These, this is the road map, if you, if you would. To be merciful, to judge not to condemn not, and yes, to forgive all that sin against you. You'll know, he preached things like this, you'll know the tree by the fruit that it bears. And he preached that those that hear my words and hear my instructions or my directions and do whatsoever I command you, you will be like a wise master builder that builds on the rock a solid foundation that does not suffer Ruin. Those are all instructions. Those are all 
roadmaps, if you will. Those are all directions that you and I, as believers, as followers of Christ, and we're going to get into what the real word follow means, but what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be lost? And man, I mean, you could get as elaborate as they come. I mean, you, uh, so many. But simply, the definition means unable to find one's way. Not knowing one's whereabouts. Some synonyms would be stray, astray, off course, off track, disoriented, having lost one's bearings, going around in circles at sea. And adrift. You see, the problem with drifting is you most always drift away from something. And you rarely ever drift into a better version of yourself. You know, I'm just kind of coasting through life. I've got it kind of on cruise control. You will never drift into a boat. You take a boat. Isn't it funny how the boat never drifts back to the dock? The boat always just keeps drifting further and further. And just kind of lounge around on an inner tube in Florida and just go to sleep for about an hour or so. Just drift. Just, just kind of drift. You'll ne- it's funny how you never drift back to where you want to be. You just keep drifting further and further. And that's what Elijah saw the children of Israel. They were just drifters. If we're not careful, we will come to church. We'll pay good money to wear good clothes, pay good money for the gas in our car, and we just come to drift through the service. Nothing good ever comes from drifting. See, it's similar to a scientific term called entropy. Entropy is the degradation. That's a scientific term in thermodynamics and other different uh, sciences that I'm not uh, a master of by no means. But it's the degradation. It hit me, brother. It's, It's here. Don't blame me and Pastor Matt. It's some, something's up here. The degradation of the matter and energy in the universe to an ultimate state of inert uniformity. Now, remember, we're, we're to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're to be transformed in His. Watch it. It's a process of degradation or running down or a trend to disorder. In other words, stop taking care of your home and see what happens. Stop taking care of your health. And don't, don't, don't take me up on this. Stop brushing your teeth and see what happens. See, there's something that is set in motion. Anything that is not cared for has a tendency to degradate or to go into ruin. In other words... To follow Jesus, you have to be intentional. You'll never just fall into following him. It takes effort. 
I'm not referring, now listen, I'm not referring to salvation right now at the moment. Because, you know, I, I know when you start talking about effort. and I mean, you, we dare us to quote Paul when he said, Work out your own salvation. We, I mean, we hear work out, and we're like, I didn't sign up for the gym class. But Paul would write, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But I'm not referring to salvation at the moment. I'm talking about following him. See, following him is going to take some effort because Jesus don't always take the easy way. Sometimes Jesus will get you in the middle of a storm. Sometimes Jesus will carry you to places where people hate you. And he will even tell you before you get there, they will hate you for my name's sake. They will speak all manner of blasphemy. Because they hated me, therefore they will hate. All that live godly in Christ Jesus. Watch this. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Shall suffer tribulation. You see, salvation will cost you nothing. But discipleship will cost you your life. Listen to me real good. Salvation may not cost you anything. But discipleship, following Jesus, will cost you your life. Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Therefore be, King James says it this way, therefore be followers But the New King James actually interprets it a lot better because the word literally means, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Now, when I read this and I stop at verse, I'm thinking, man, uh, cast out devils. You know, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, make Peter's walk on the water as dear children, be imitators of God. Of God. But listen to what he wrote in verse 2. This is how you imitate God and walk in love. See, we're going somewhere. And if you're not walking, you're not following. And if you accepted Jesus right here at this point, but you don't get up from this point, see, Jesus is always moving. He hadn't, listen to me, he had no home. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why? Because he was always moving. When the Spirit of God, even in the beginning, what's the Spirit of God? It ain't just sitting there laying. No, the Spirit of God is moving over the face of the deep. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That word follow or imitate comes from a Greek word, mimetes, where we get the English word mimic. It means an imitator. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, imitate or follow me just as I imitate or follow Christ. It means to reflect. We put reflectors on many things to bring others' attention to it, like our cars, our mailbox, our bi- uniforms. When, when we're out in the parking lot, there's, there's now they've got jackets that's got reflectors to bring attention to. 
See, there's something about you and I that Jesus said, you are the what? The light of the world. You are a city set upon a hill that you should show forth the praises of God. Now watch this. It also means to mirror. It's the act of impersonating someone's character or actions in such a way so as to copy their identity. In other words, it's kind of like what they would call them in the book of Acts. They were called followers of the way. See, even Peter, when he's trying to deny Jesus, and I mean even says a curse word, but the little girl looks at him and says, you must be one of them. Your speech betrays you. You've been around Jesus so long that you act just like him. You talk just like him. You walk just like him. You've took a, you're an imitator. You're a follower of Jesus. See, this is what Jesus meant when he turned to those that he called in the Gospels and said, follow me. Imitate me. That's why Jesus could later say, these things that I do, shall you do. And greater than these, because I go to the Father. Follow me. Matthew 4, 19, then he said to them, the disciples, follow me. Watch this. And I will make you fishers of... You've been following your dad, your great-granddad, and they've taught you how to be pretty good fishermen. But if you will follow me, if you will imitate me, if you will do the things I do, if you will start saying the things I say, I will teach you how to be fishers of men. Follow me. Then Luke 9, 23, then he said, Jesus said to them all, kind of like Elijah, he said to them all, he called no one, if anyone desires to come after me, to follow me, let him deny himself. See, salvation's free, but again, discipleship and following Jesus is going to cost you your life. Watch this. Let him or her, if I may, deny themselves and take up his cross daily. Now, I don't know about you, but see, they kind of understood where Jesus was coming from because in that day, the cruelest death thought of is death by the cross. And when you saw someone walking with a beam over their shoulder, followed by the Roman soldiers, you would say things like, that's a dead man walking. Jesus is literally putting a picture, a word picture in their mind. I want you to understand that you must first, because you ain't going to pick up a cross until you deny yourself. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Because the one day that you decide not to take up your cross, you're deciding to drift. 
and you will never drift close to Christ. You must be intentional. Take up your cross. Watch this. And follow me. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. He didn't say after I teach them or they go through a 30-day class. No, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. It's as if Jesus is putting some prerequisites on following him. And it's hearing him and being known by him. See, many people often wonder or ask the question, where did Elijah even come from? I mean, why is it that he is so successful? It's because Elijah cultivated an early habit of following the voice of God. Go with me to 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7. I remember preaching this. I almost just want to go back to that message. Elijah, the Tishbite. Of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Watch this, verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth. This is a Hebrew word which means a cut or a cutting. I want you to understand this. That for you to follow Jesus, there's going to be some things you're going to have to cut out of your life. There's going to be some habits that you formed before following him. You just got to cut them out. There's going to be relationships. See, you know, we read this scripture, and it's not in my notes, and I, I do have to be careful for the time. But Jesus said this. Watch it. Jesus said this. Except you hate father and mother and children and yea, even your own life, you're not worthy to follow, man. You're like, I, don't, don't we do this? Well, I don't really think he meant, you know, hate your mother and father and, and your wife and your children and your spouse. I, I really don't. He didn't say, I hope you understand. No, he, and we're like, that just is not fair. but I know many men that have loved alcohol and drugs more than they love their mother, more than they love their father, more than they love their wife. I know some women that have loved other things more than they loved their children and, yea, even their own life. But yet we feel, now, drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, habit. I know, I know men that love jobs more than they love their family. I know men that love their hobbies more. 
But yet we want to get mad at Jesus like they did when he said, except you eat of my flesh and drink. They said, this is a hard saying. We can no longer follow you. See, we want to get mad at Jesus because he would ask of us to hate our mother, to hate our father, to hate our spouses, to hate our children, and to hate our own life and follow him. But yet we do it every day. See, that's why the people were so speechless. Because they knew that Elijah was calling them to a more pure walk. In verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. So the answer's in the scripture. Where did Elijah come from? He was a direct descendant of Joseph, the dreamer and the prophet. Because if you'll read in Numbers 6, 26, 28, we won't read it. But Joseph begots Manasseh, Manasseh begots Matcher, and Matcher begets Gilead. And that's where Elijah come from. So he's a direct descendant of Joseph, the dreamer and the prophet of God. Gilead, both a Hebrew and an Aramaic word, means heap of testimony. Now, we all know around here what testimony means. It means do it again. In other words, whatever God did for Joseph, he'll do for you. He not only, watch this, he not only, see, we thought that God only preserved Joseph just to save a little tribe of Israel in Egypt. But no, God preserved Joseph because he knew within his loins was going to come a great prophet by the name of Elijah. And he would stand before God and all the prophets and all the false religion and all the naysayers and say, if God be God, then follow him. What is God reserving you for? What is God preserving you for? What kind of lineage is coming from you? I know i got to kind of brief narrate this down a little bit. There's two stories that I could share with you about Gilead. It's the story of Joseph. And the Bible said that in Genesis 37... That the Ishmaelites were coming from Gilead. They were coming from the heap of testimony. And the Bible says that his brother said, let's do him no harm. Let's sell him. And in verse 28, the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Someone from a heap of testimony affected another person's life. And now they have a testimony within themselves of the faithfulness. That's why Jesus wants you to follow him. That's why he would write in 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 to to raise up disciples that would disciple others. There's another story of Jacob earlier He's running from Laban, his father-in-law. And they both pitch in the mountains of Gilead, or the heap of testimony. And in verse 29, Laban said, "It, It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your fathers 
spoke to me last night. What, what, where did he speak to him? In Gilead. The heap of testimony. See, there was something about Gilead that God often spoke to people that visited the place. And see, this is the place where Elijah come from. Elijah come from the place where God speaks. And he learned to tune his ear away from all the other voices and all the other chaos and confusion. And he tuned his ear to hear the voice of God. Gilead is not only a place that prophets are birthed in, but it is in fact a place that prophecies speak about. Amos is 1.3. Watch this. I love this. Amos 1.3. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they have threshed Gilead with implements of iron. They have threshed the heap of testimony See, this is a direct reference to extreme cruelty and inhumanity in warfare. Can I tell you this morning that God remembers every wrong that's ever been committed against you, that's been committed against me, and there's a book of remembrance being kept? Amos 1.13, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they ripped Open the womb or ripped open the women with child. Where? In Gilead. Here again is another heinous attempt by a nation to stop a child of God from being born. So much similar to our day and time. How many aborted babies that were going to be the next great prophet? That were going to be the next great evangelist. That was going to be the next person that would turn America around. But yet, they were ripped from their mother's womb. They were trying to stop the testimonies, the followers from coming out of Gilead. The place where God speaks. Because if I can take them from the place where God speaks... I can deafen my ear and just drift. Zechariah, listen to what he says. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them in to the land of Gilead, a place where my voice is and where they can hear me. Let the enemy do what he may with all his schemes, his plots to stop the child of God, but God himself will have the last word. And it's a word of triumph. It's a word that there's more testimonies coming from Gilead. As I wrap this up, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8, again, this is right after the brook dries up. You can read this in 1 Kings chapter 17, then 18 and 19, the whole story of Elijah. And the Bible said, The word of the Lord came to him, Saying, arise, go to Zarephath. Another Hebrew word. And I don't normally do this. I norm, I'm a preacher. I normally don't teach while I'm preaching. But God was speaking to me. Watch this. This is a Hebrew word which means a refinement 
or a refinery. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to go to the place of cutting and cutting away. But then you're going to have to keep traveling. You're going to have to keep following him. And you're going to follow him to a place of refinement. A place where he... I don't know if you remember these. Many of you don't. But I remember those eight-track record players. Uh, uh, I remember the old radio systems in the vehicles where you, they had about eight black buttons along the bottom. And you would hit... You know, like you're over here, like way over here on 88, but you want it to be like 103 or wherever things are happening at, whatever it is. And you just hit the button. But then you, you might hit it and there's just a little bit of static. That, yeah, it's not really coming through good. Your, your favorite guy's on the radio. And right over there to the right, there's what they called a fine tune button. See, many of us have come to the altar. Many of us have... Had, I've, I, listen to me, I've had some big chunks knocked off my life. You leave Waylon Miller to Waylon Miller and I will make a wreck. I'm living proof of entropy. I'm living proof that you'll never drift into a good version of yourself. But all of a sudden, the hand of God gets on the radio of our life and he starts refining us. He starts fine-tuning us. The Bible says that Elijah performed a miracle for a widow, and you can read this story. So you may be asking the question this morning, why was it that Elijah could hear the voice of God so clearly and I can't? Come on, anybody with me this morning? I'll ask that. I'll raise my hand. In 1 Kings 18, 15, then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Hearing God is solely based upon your proximity to his location. See, just this morning, I was on the other side of the bathroom door and my little girl McKenna was trying to tell me something. I had sent a text to make sure the graphic teams got my notes and she was trying to tell me that she'd got them. But the sink was running and all, and I could not hear her. And I said, you've got to come inside. I can't understand what you're saying. I can tell you're speaking, but I don't understand what you're saying. Your ability to hear the voice of God is solely based upon your proximity to his location. So here's the next question we must ask ourselves. Why is it that God could hear and answer Elijah so quickly? You'll find it also in 1 Kings 18, 36 and 37. And it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, listen to his prayer, not no long prayer, not some elaborate prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Remember, if the Lord be God, follow him. And I am your servant. I am following you. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, 
O Lord, hear me that this people may know. And you know the story. The fire came down from heaven and licked up the sacrifice. So here it is. Here's your answer. God hearing you is also solely dependent upon your proximity to his location. See, for me to hear McKenna, she had to get closer. And for McKenna to be heard, she had to draw closer. James 4, 8, draw near to God. And God will draw near to you as you're standing to your feet all over the house. I believe God's word this morning is telling us that we must go to a place of cutting away. And then we must go to a place of refinement where we can begin to more clearly hear the word of God. And we must live in a continuing place of drawing near to God to become the true followers that God is looking for. See, we talk about what we're wanting out of a service, but have we ever asked what John 4 says? That God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh for those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. Romans 8, 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. The world is waiting for some true follower, some true imitator of God to give them just a ray of hope. Can I tell you Elijah's success was Elijah built altars.